Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to the park. I'm so glad that you're here today because today we are in week two of our message series, Drift, where we're talking about the things that cause us to drift away from God. But more importantly, we're also talking about the things that can prevent drift and what can bring us back to God if we find that we have drifted. And one of the things that I have discovered that causes drift, people to drift away from God, is rules. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, In high school, I had several friends whose parents had very different approaches to rules. Uh, For instance, my friend Andy, his parents were unbelievably strict. I mean, they had so many rules, it was unreal. And if Andy ever broke one of those rules, I mean, you'd have thought the world was coming to an end. I, I mean, the consequences were just so incredibly over the top. So, you know, as you can imagine, when Andy graduated from high school and he went off to school, guess what? (laughs) Yeah, he did everything his parents never would allow him to do. And, and, you know, and the whole time that Andy was at home, he he was actually never really very close to his parents. He wasn't very close to his mom and dad because the truth is, their mom, it seemed like that their mom and dad, his mom and dad, cared more about the rules than they cared about their son. I had another friend named Rodney, complete opposite end of the spectrum. Like, his parents hardly had any rules at all. I mean, he could pretty much do whatever he wanted to do. He could go wherever he wanted to go. When he was 16 years old, his parents gave him a brand new sports car, and, you know, he could kind of do whatever he wanted to do. Now, Rodney had a lot of fun, I can tell you that. But he also had a lot of regret because he did a lot of things that he wished he could take back. Because, you know, he didn't know what was best for himself because he was just trying to figure out everything for himself. And Rodney wasn't very close to his parents because his parents didn't care enough to give him any rules. And then there was my friend Christopher. Now Christopher, he was from, he was from like a really high profile family. And they had rules, but all of their rules were centered around protecting and preserving the family image. And as you can imagine, Christopher was never close to his parents because he realized early on that the image that they were portraying did not reflect what was really going on behind closed doors. And because of all the fake and hypocrisy of it all, he wasn't very close to his parents. Not even a little bit. You know, and I think that all of my friends actually wanted to have a close relationship with their mom and dad. But either because of, you know, too many rules, or the absence of rules, or the misplacement of rules... None of them had a good relationship with their mom and dad, and it caused them to just drift away from their parents. Now, 
Look, before you think that all my friends were completely messed up, uh, <laughs> let me tell you about it. Let me tell you one of my really close friends. His name is Ian, okay? Ian actually had a really good relationship with his family. I mean, they were, they, he came from a really close family. And it was, honestly, it was hard for me to figure out why at first because um, they actually had rules. Uh, and I remember one time Ian came to school and he was like, oh, Mike, my, my life is over. I'm like, dude, what happened? He's like, well, this weekend, my parents caught me in a lie, and they gave me, like, the harshest consequence I have ever had. Now, the truth is, I don't actually remember what the consequence was, but I do remember that in my conversations with Ian, he told me this, like, um, you know, my parents told me why my consequence was so harsh, and they said that it was because when I lied, I broke their trust, and therefore it damaged our, my relationship with my mom and dad. And they said, when there is no trust, there is no relationship. And they said, we have a rule that you always tell the truth, not just because it's a rule, but because that rule protects and preserves the relationships within our family. I know that's really good, right? Mom, dad, feel free to use that little speech anytime you need to. Um, <laughs> but listen, I, I tell, the reason I tell you all those things about my friends is to say that a lot of times the reasons why some people drift away from God are the very same reasons why people drift away from their parents. Either they think that, well, you know, God's got so many rules and they're so oppressive and I just can't possibly keep all those rules that they just drift away. Or they don't know God's rules. Or they never really pay much attention to God's rules. They just, you know, do whatever it is they want to do. All the while they're piling up regret through life as they're just trying to figure it out and it causes them to drift from God. Or maybe some of us have known other people who are Christ followers who on the outside, they portray this really great image of a perfect person in a perfect family and they're all so holy and great. But on the inside, behind closed doors, like we know it's fake. Like we know that there's some skeletons in those closets. And so what? Because of all that fakeness and that hypocrisy, like we just choose to not even do it, and so we just drift away from God. I see it happening all the time. But all of that drift honestly comes as a result of not understanding why we have rules in the first place, okay? Generally speaking, rules in and of themselves are not either good or bad. And there's, there's always exceptions, but most of the rules that we have, we have them because they help govern and our, our relationships and they give guidance to relationships and they give us reason, uh, ways that we can get along better together. And so in and of themselves, rules are, they're, they're neither good nor bad, but how we perceive the rules is based on the relationship behind the rules, let me say it another way, and this is the part that I want you to write down, okay? So this is your first fill in the morning. Here it is. 
Rules without relationship bring resentment. And the reason they bring resentment is because there's no love, there's no forgiveness, there's no grace. The rule is the most important thing. But rules within a relationship bring closeness. They bring closeness. And that's because those rules then set the terms and the boundaries of how we relate and how we can be closer and how we can love one another. Look, and that's true in parenting, and it's true in a relationship with God. See, God's rules aren't meant to cause us to drift. That's not the point. God's rules are meant to set the terms and the boundaries of our relationship with him so we can actually become closer to God and have a deeper relationship with God. That's the point of the rules. Now look, we are not the first people in life to struggle with rules, okay? The people in Jesus' day struggled with rules as well. And there's an encounter that Jesus has with the teachers of the law, okay? The people who studied God's laws more than anybody, but yet they missed the relationship behind the rules, so much so that they actually didn't even have a relationship with God anymore. And so Jesus comes along, and he tries to set them straight. And in doing so, he gives us some insight into rules and why they're there. Um, Because these guys, they had drifted really far from God. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Okay, now pause right there, hold on a second. I want you to notice that he's talking about a man-made tradition, okay? This is not a law from God. In fact, these people were so in love with the rules that they made more rules that were not part of God's law at all. And now they're upset with Jesus and the disciples for not keeping their rules, okay? Look what it says. Verse 3, Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might have otherwise received from me is a gift devoted to God, he is not to honor his father with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. Okay, now hang on a second. Just in case you're new to the Bible, let me explain what's going on here. Um, see, as, as people's parents got older, their adult children would help take care of them. Well, you know, just like we do today. But they came up with another rule that said that if you dedicated any of your possessions to God, that those possessions actually belong to God. Now, you could keep using them, because you know, what's God gonna do with your stuff? You could keep using them, but they weren't yours to give to anyone else. And so, because God technically owned it. So here's what they would do. All these religious leaders, they would take all of their money, all of their possessions, and they would dedicate it all to God, And then as their parents got older and needed help, they would go to their mom and dad and say, you know what, mom and dad, I would love to help you, but I can't because everything I have is dedicated to God. 
And so it's not mine to give. I'm so sorry, my hands are tied. Now does anyone think that that's what God intended? I mean, these people were using the rules and they had drifted so far from God that they entirely missed the relationship behind the rules. And so look what Jesus says to them. Verse seven, he says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, and I want you to underline the rest of this, but their hearts are far from me. See, they had drifted so far from God and so far from what God had intended with the rules that they missed God entirely. I mean, they no longer had a relationship with God. They pursued the rules over the relationship. Look, but God wants you to pursue a relationship with him. And then the rules make a whole lot more sense. And the relationship will keep you from rebelling against the rules and keep you from drift. So then the question becomes, what can I do to pursue my relationship with God and not just drift in this sea of rules? Well, I want to share with you three things that have helped me along the way, and my hope is, is that they will help you too, okay? So here's the first one. Number one is this, picture Jesus. Picture Jesus, and by that, I mean that when you pray, when you try to think about God, actually picture Jesus. For instance, if I asked you, hey, take a moment, and I want you to describe what God looks like, what would you say? You're like, well, I mean, he's really, and he's, and he's, well, and he's kind, I mean, it's hard to describe what God looks like, right? But if I were to say to you, okay, describe what Jesus looks like. We were like, oh, okay, yeah, he's, he's tall, he's got long hair, thin beard, white robe, and Jesus sandals. Like, that's what, that, because that's what we all kind of picture. And it's easy for us to describe what it looks like because he was, he was a person, and we can relate to that. In fact, if you go and you read the New Testament, you begin to see that the early believers, oh, they were so enamored with the person of Jesus that literally he was at the center of every conversation. He was the center of every one of their spiritual teachings. He was at the center of their very lives. Not necessarily God, but Jesus. And part of the reason is that they could relate to Jesus because he was in the form of a person. And so he was easy to relate to. And even for those people who had never seen him in person, which, by the way, as Christianity began to spread across the known world, was the majority of believers at that time, it was easy for people to relate to Jesus because they could picture him, because he was a person. So look, in, in your own relationship with God, when you pray, if it's easier to just picture Jesus then do that. I mean, I know for me, during the times of my life when, when I felt some distance in my relationship with God, and look, and that, that happens to all of us, whenever I felt some distance in my relationship with God, I would try, when I sat down to pray, to picture Jesus. And I would picture Jesus looking at me, 
and coming close to me and listening to me. And I'm telling you, when I did that, when I would do that, it, it would re-engage my heart so that I didn't feel like I was just praying with my lips. And it made it feel like a relationship again. Does that make sense? So look, if, you're, if, if, if you get to the point where you, know, you feel like God is a million miles away, or you feel like you've got a million things on your mind, Take some time and picture Jesus. And hopefully that will help you feel that relationship again. And by the way, this is a very biblical thing to do. um, Because Jesus is God. I want you to look at this next verse in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. It says, the Son, that's Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. That means that, the, that if you want to know what God looks like, just go look at the person of Jesus. Because what Jesus said and what he did and how he acted, that is the exact representation of God the Father. So look, if it helps you to stay focused on a relationship with God by picturing Jesus, then picture Jesus. Because it helps prevent drift. All right, now there's a second thing. Number two is this. I need to pray like I'm in a relationship. I need to pray like I'm in a relationship. And what I mean is, is that, look, when you're praying to God, use words and a tone that would convey that you are in a relationship and not just trying to be religious. And and Jesus actually encourages each of us to do that very thing. And so I want us to look at a very famous passage in the Bible. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And I wanted to take the Lord's Prayer because it's one of those passages that tends to feel more like a rule. Because so many times we we repeat it, and because it becomes so familiar in repeating it, that sometimes we forget about the relationship that is driving that prayer. So here's what I've done. I've taken a version of the Bible that we don't normally use for the Lord's Prayer, and I'm, we're going to read it. And as I read it, I want you to be thinking, of, see if you can visualize the relationship behind the prayer. Now, Jesus, he's talking to a large group of people, so he uses the plural and not the singular, but I think you're smart enough, like you can figure out that it's a relationship between just you and God. So let's read the introduction to the prayer and the prayer itself and see if we can find, look, uh, see the relationship part of it coming through. Matthew 6, beginning verse 7, it says, Jesus talking, he says, when you pray, don't talk on and on as people who don't know God. They think God likes to hear long prayers. See, doesn't that already sound like Jesus is talking about a relationship here, right? He says, don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask. Now, pause. If God already knows what we need before we ask, then why do we have to go through that whole song and dance of actually asking? Because God wants the relationship. Yeah, he already knows, but he wants you to ask because he wants that relationship with you. Okay, now, let's look at the prayer. Verse 9, Jesus says, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, help us to honor your name. 
Come and set up your kingdom so that everyone on earth will obey you just as you're obeyed in heaven. Give us our food for today. Forgive us for doing wrong as we forgive others. Keep us from being tempted and protect us from evil. Now, can you hear the relationship part coming through with all of that? And I want you to notice that Jesus says that this is the way you should pray. He doesn't say that these are the words you should pray. See, he wants you to pray like you are in a relationship. And I'm telling you, look, when someone first showed me this, I mean, I'm telling you, for me, it was like, I mean, it just, it just changed everything for me. It changed, it changed everything. So let me give you a couple of tips that have helped me as I have learned to pray to God like I'm in a relationship, okay? Uh, here's the first tip. This is your, this is your bullet points, okay? Um, use familiar terms. Use familiar terms. What, what I mean by that is when you pray to God, don't pray and say something like, Oh, Father who art enthroned in the heavenly, surrounded by a diadem of angels. Really? No! Look, if you're going to pray to Jesus, just pray with familiar terms. Like, you know, Jesus, I was wondering if, or if you're going to pray to God, pray to him your heavenly father, like you would, like you would talk to your earthly dad. It's like, dad, I really need some help with. And, and look, if you didn't have a good experience with your earthly dad, I, honestly, I truly am very sorry for that. But that's not God. Let God fill in the gap left by your earthly dad because he is a perfect father. But use familiar terms. Talk to him like you're in a relationship with him because the truth is if you're a Christ follower, you are. All right, second tip is this. This is your second bullet point. Ask and listen. Ask and listen. See, when you're, you're talking to someone and you ask them a question, you generally wait for an answer, right? Well, it's not any different with God. When you ask him a question, wait for an answer. Now look, I'm not saying that God is going to just answer you the very first time out. I'm not even saying that God is necessarily going to answer you most of the time. And so you might be thinking, well, Pastor Mike, if God were to say something like, what would, what would that sound like? Well, I'll tell you this. For me, I have never heard God speak in a big, booming voice from heaven. I, I, that's never happened for me. Most of the time, for me, what it is, is when I pray and I ask God a question, I'll, I'll get real quiet and I'll try to listen as hard as I can. What will happen most of the time for me is that I'll have a thought come across my mind that's not my thought. And I have learned over the years that most of the time, that is God speaking to me. Or, or other times, I will have asked God questions, and I'll open my Bible to read, and I'll read a story, or I'll read a verse, and I'm telling you, it's like, bam. It's exactly what I was asking him about. And it gives me great direction. That's God speaking to me through the Bible. Or, I'll be in small group that week, and 
Sure enough, someone in my small group will say something uh, about what's going on in their lives, and it will be as if God is reaching out through them and talking to me. I mean, it's incredible. That, that's how God speaks to us. And so when I ask, I need to listen, and he'll speak to you because you're in a relationship with him. All right, number three. I need to deepen my relationship with Jesus through a small group. I need to deepen my relationship with Jesus through a small group. Let's, listen, when you go to a small group, you're going to a weekly meeting, about 10 to 12 people, who are also looking to deepen their relationship through, with Jesus as well. So it's in the context of a small group where you can ask questions and you can discuss some of the rules that God lays out in the Bible. But in your discussion, you will discover together what those rules do to help foster a relationship and deepen your own faith in God and in Christ. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times I've been in small group and someone in our small group has, um, you know, we're studying a rule or a law of God and someone in the small group invariably will say, you know what, well, why does God really want us to do that? And they'll push back like, why is that such a big deal to God? And almost every time somebody else in the small group will chime in and they'll say, well, you know what? I was at that very same crossroads just, you know, a year or so ago. And I chose to step out on faith and you won't believe all the stuff that God did in my life because and they talk about it, talk about it. And then as they're talking, what we realize is, is that in the midst, get this, in the midst of their obedience, God used that rule to deepen their faith and deepen their personal relationship with him. And I'm telling you, when that happens, I mean, it's amazing just to see like the light bulb come on for people. But that only happens if you're actually in a small group to see it and experience it happening. I want to share with you a verse that I memorized um, not too long ago. And let me give you the context. It's Jesus walking down the road with a couple of other guys talking about the scriptures. Just like in a small group, we go to a small group, you're talking with some other people about the scriptures. And in Luke 24, 45, the Bible says this. It says, then he, that's Jesus, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And I believe that when you go to a small group and you're there to understand and grow, I believe that God and Jesus will open your mind so that you can understand the scriptures and so that you can see it not just as a book of rules, but so you can see that there's a relationship behind all of the rules. And the rules are there to help foster, guide, and set the boundaries for, and to deepen that relationship with God through Christ. And when you do that, it prevents drift. Now, I've been talking this morning a lot about having a relationship with God through Christ. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how to start that relationship if you've never had one. 
See, the Bible says in other places that we are spiritually dead because of our sin. And so if we are spiritually dead, then we can't have a relationship with God. So we have to be made spiritually alive in order to have a relationship with him. Well, if it's our sin that causes us to be spiritually dead, then something's got to be done to deal with our sin. See, that's where Jesus comes in. When Jesus died on a cross, he died so that his death could take on the punishment for our sin and so that he could, in turn, offer us his forgiveness. And so if you would receive his forgiveness and receive Jesus to come be a part of your life where he takes charge of your life, then you will be forgiven of your sin. And the Bible says you are born again. Maybe you've heard that term before. See, when you are born again, that is when you become spiritually alive and you can have a relationship with God because of Jesus Christ. So, have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you for all of your sin? Look, if you've never done that, do that today so that you can start a relationship with God. There's a sample prayer, it's at the bottom of your message notes. If you have never prayed that prayer or something like it, take a minute, pray that prayer right now. And for everyone else, I want you to make sure that you don't put rules over a relationship. That doesn't work well for parenting and it doesn't work well in a relationship with God because with God, the rules are there to help you develop and deepen your relationship. And ultimately, it is the relationship with God that prevents drift. So, let's all bow our heads and let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you always put us above the rules. And what is important to you is each one of us. And so I pray for those that have drifted in life because of rules, either because they rebelled against them or because they never had any rules and it just caused them to drift away or anything else. So God, I ask that you would help each of us to develop a relationship with you and we would use the rules to deepen that relationship and to deepen our faith and our trust in you and in your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we ask all of this. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.